So this morning we were talking about growth and, and getting outside your comfort zone. Well, this is a this is a first for me. Um, this is the first time I've ever did class and then preached and turned around and preached again three different lessons. So this is this is the first time and it's a little bit out of my comfort zone. I've got used to doing one sermon and then coming back I've got used to doing two and now this is the third. So getting all these different things in my mind and if you. If you know, if you ever could be inside my mind, you know how hard that is. I'm super OCD. I see something shiny, and I start looking off in another direction. So keeping all these different thoughts and things in my mind is something new. But I'm excited to get to do this. I'm excited to get to teach. Um, me and my wife travel a lot. We get to go visit a lot of different congregations um, all over the U.S. And when we're back home, that's that's kind of we live out of our car basically. We move from one person's house to the next person's house to the next person's house, and it's just it's amazing how how good the, the brotherhood is to us, how they open up their homes and how, how sweet the people are. And it's one of our favorite things to get to be out and really get encouraged by the hospitality we see amongst the churches. But because we travel so much, we get asked a lot of questions um, about Africa, about things in our life. Um, some of those questions we get a lot. Um, one of them from the ones, that, especially the ones that knew me before we went to Africa was, are there no barbers in Africa? And if you saw the picture during class, I had bald-headed. So I get that question a lot, are there no barbers in Africa? Well, there actually are people who cut hair in Africa. Um, I just choose not to go and visit those people while I'm there. Every time we get home, there's uh, we first thing we do is get my hair cut because my wife said I can't travel around and be seen by people with hair like that. And so um, there there are barbers in Africa. Um, another question I get a lot, um, which is more on a funny note, they uh, people always ask since we're on the equator. Does your toilet flush the other way when you flush the commode? I get that question a lot. So I always tell people that since we're out on the equator, just drop straight down. Um, and so, yeah. And so some people laugh like you did because they know I'm joking, and other people are like, is he serious? And they're, like, they're thinking in their minds, maybe it does, but I don't know. If you want to know, you're more than welcome to come over and visit, and you can use our restroom. You can find out those things. And so well, another question we get to is, uh, how about animals? You know, everyone's worried about, are there animals in your backyard? Are you afraid of animals? Well, actually, where we are, um, there are no animals. About an hour out, we start seeing some. There's a church we go to a bunch. Um, it's called Mosquito River. When we're driving out towards that church, um, there's been a lot of times we've had to stop for zebras across the road or wildebeest or elephants or uh, even uh, giraffes across the road. Another hour out past that, you start seeing some of the cats. You can be in the parks and stuff where the cats are. Um, on our farm, though, the biggest thing we worry about is snakes. Um, there are poison snakes. Um, I stepped on a black mamba this year. Um, I was walking out through the field and I stepped on something. I felt it slither out from under my foot. And it went probably from me to this side of the podium and stood straight up and looked at me. And so I slowly backed off and I was not bit, thankfully. Um, if I was, I probably wouldn't be standing up here talking to you right now. Um, they're pretty dangerous. But uh, we were able to get out of that. So we do have snakes. And we see a lot of black mambas, green mambas, a lot of puff adders. But that's on the farm. Out in the villages, you know, when you're out doing Bible studies, that stuff, you don't have to worry about that. I'm just not very smart. I walk through the high grass a lot. And I, I do watch now. And so now I'm a little more cautious. It took me. I'm, I'm just, I was still young. I, was, I was, had a lot of pride, which I talked about this morning, so I just thought I could just walk where I wanted to. And so that has is, that is straightened me out a lot. Actually, a church that was there um, when that happened bought me a pair of snake boots, so I'm taking them back with me. So they thought that was funny. And they handed me snake boots after I got there talking. Um, another question we get a lot on a more serious note is how can, how can we be in Africa? How can we leave everything and move over there? What, what, 
what happened in our minds that made us able to just give up everything and then move to Africa. Now, there's a, a lot of reasons for this. There's a, I could talk a long time about the reasoning behind why we did what we did, the motivation behind what we did what we did. But now, looking back, and now one thing that's keeping us in Africa, which is not really a reason why we moved there in the first place, is, is what I would like to talk about for a little bit today is one of our motivations, one of the reasons why we do what we do. And this is more of, on a selfish reason. This is more looking at myself. Um, but I'd like to share this with you today. If you would open your Bibles to Second Peter. We're going to look at some several verses in First and Second Peter today. We're going to start in Second Peter at the very end. Second Peter... 3 verses 17 through 18 is where we're going to, is where we're going to start. Um, when you think about last words, you think about famous last words, um, you can Google that and there's, it comes up all these different weedy things that people said, um, all these heartfelt things that people said. But when we think about last words, we, we, we associate that with you know, something from the heart, something that is meaningful, something that would be very, very important. If you think about your lives, if you had the opportunity to say something to someone, what would that be? When you know that was the last thing that you could speak to that person, whether it's your loved one, your wife, your children, it would be something that means a lot, right? It would be something important. It would be something from the heart that you would want these people to remember. Well, these are the last words written by Peter here that we know that he penned, or last words that we think that he penned to paper. And we can see in Second Peter 3, 17, 18. Now, I think these are either last words that we need to pay attention to. These are good last words that we need to apply to our lives. And what I'd like to do today is read this and then look at some ways that Peter tells us that we can, that we can be doing these things. Um, let's look at Second Peter 3, 17 and 18. It says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand to take care, that you are not carried away with the error of lawlessness, people, and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So in verse 18 here he's saying, that as the last thing he's saying is, as Christians, I want you to every day to be growing in your faith, be growing in your grace, be growing in your knowledge, in your love and Savior to your Jesus Christ. And why are you to be doing that? He tells us that in the verse above that is so that we're not carried away by, by error, by lawlessness. We're not, we're not carried away by false teachers. So that when the hardships of life, when things become difficult, we're not led astray. And I think these are, these are great words that Peter left us with that we need to apply to our own lives, that we need to look and see and make sure that every day that we're, we're growing as Christians, every day that we're growing in our love and our knowledge and our faith and Savior Jesus Christ. And because of that, when we do those things, we'll be able to withstand temptation. When we do those things, we'll be able to withstand the devil. We'll be able to stand the hardships that come into our lives. And the devil's good at what he does. He slips things in our way, but we have to be prepared. And we do that by every day growing. And we're never too old to grow. We're never too young to start growing. But it's important in our Christian walk that we're always growing and maturing in our, in our faith. So I want to look at a few ways that Peter tells us in his book that we, that we can apply to our lives so we can continue that growth. And this morning we talked about the importance of growth. And this evening here I want to look at some ways that we can look at what Peter tells us so that we can be adding these to our daily lives so that we can continue to grow as Christians. Now the first verse I want to look at here is, is um, 1 Peter 1 verse 13. 1 Peter 1 13. says here, Therefore, prepare your minds for action 
And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we see here this idea of preparation. We have to prepare our minds for action. This is something that we must be doing daily. Um, I was a big sports guy. Um, I love football. I played baseball in college. I love sports. You know, how many of you would, um, you say you wanted to go out and you thought, you know, I'm going to go out and run a marathon. You know, a marathon's in a couple months. I'm going to commit myself to go out and do that, run that marathon. So then you decide to prepare for that marathon. You sit down on the couch. You watch other people running the marathon. You're eating chips. But you never go out and you never run. You think, oh, when that comes, I'll be good to do that. It'll be fine. I'll be able to, go make, I'll be able to run that marathon. On that day that it starts, how do you think you're going to do? When you start running, you're going to get tired. You're going to get sore. Your legs are going to start to get sore. You're probably not going to be able to finish that race. Well, it's the same thing with our Christianity. If our minds are not prepared, if we're not constantly into the Scriptures and reading and learning, when someone comes up to us and says, you know, why do, why do you believe that we shouldn't use musical instruments? You know, why is that important? Or why do I need to be baptized for the remission of my sins? Why can't I just say the sinner's prayer? Or, you know, why, why do you take the Lord's Supper every Sunday? You know, we, we agree that we need to be doing those things, right? But can you, when you're approached by these things, can you find it in the Bible and then teach others? Have you prepared these answers in your head and constantly studied these answers so that you can give a correct answer using the Scripture, using God's Word? And so, see, that's what we're talking about here is that this idea that we're always preparing our minds for action. We're, we're studying the Bible to not only to be studying, but to be studying the Bible to prepare our minds to teach others, to prepare our minds to defend our faith, to prepare our minds to be able to go out and fight against those false teachers who are leading people astray. Because if we're not sharp, if we don't understand why we believe what we believe, there's some guys out there that are good talkers. There's some guys out there that have the ability to have silver tongues that can lead people away with the, their good words, their eloquency, and the way they present things if we're not strong in our Christianity, if we're not strong in our faith. And that's one thing that really challenges us over there. Um, and that's one, one of the reasons why I love being over there because every day we're out there defending our own faith. Every day we're out there defending our own Christianity. And we get all these questions and we constantly are having to answer these things and because of that, our faith continues to grow because we become more sure about what we're reading. We become more sure about our own beliefs and our own faith. And eventually, like I said earlier, you know, when I was younger, my faith really wasn't my own faith. It's not until you start digging in and you start preparing your mind to answer these questions, preparing your mind to serve God and to be able to answer these things, that your faith becomes your own faith, that you start to develop your own beliefs and not just the beliefs of what you're being told. And, that, and that's what's important. I think that's what Peter is saying here. That if we're always going to be growing in our love and our faith and our knowledge in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we always have to be preparing our mind for actions. Just in case that one day that someone walks up to us, and you may never know when it's going to happen. Just like we were in the mall that one day and my wife was looking at shoes and someone asked me about my faith. You never know when that day is going to happen, when that moment is going to arise. But we always had to be prepared. We always had to be ready for that. Just like a runner is always prepared, just like an athlete is always constantly training himself, even if he always sits on the bench just for that one chance he gets to get up there and step in front of the plate. You always have to be preparing yourself for that one moment you have a chance to teach someone or preach to someone about the gospel. So it's important that we're doing this, that we're preparing our minds for action. And one thing, too, that I like from this verse, he says, set your mind... Or set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revolution of Jesus Christ. I'm a big sports guy. Again, I was a coach for two years. Motivation is important. Having in the back of your mind that motivation that you're serving 
Jesus, that, that, that back in your mind that you're doing this because of your Christianity and your hope of having a home with Him in heaven. When we look at things that way and not look at things in the worldly manner, but we're focused on our spiritual life, these things become easier. We start to spend more time doing these things. And I think, think that having that in the back of your mind really helps. The next thing I want to look at is 1 Peter 3.15. He says the same thing here, so we're just going to read this. He said, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So here he's saying the same thing, but he gives the attitude that we're to have. When we do these things, we're to do so with gentleness and respect and love in our hearts. Now, we want to go on now to look at 1 Peter 2.2. 2. This, is, this is the next point here of something else that we need to be doing in order to, and to always be growing in our spiritual life. 1 Peter 2.2. 2. He says, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. This is the, the imagery here that Peter is using is pretty strong. Um, we do not have kids, but I'm sure a lot of you here have kids. Um, so you can help me out with this. Um, when, you're, when your kids start to cry when they're babies, if you just ignore them, do they ever stop crying? If you just leave them laying on the table or move them to the other room, they eventually get tired and just stop crying. They don't, do they? They continue to cry until you meet that need that they have, right? If they're hungry, they continue to cry until they're fed. If they want to be held, they continue to cry until they're held. If they need chains, they will continue to cry until you change them. They're always crying until you meet those needs for them, right? So this is what Peter is saying here. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk. So we're to, we're to long, we're to cry like those infants, we're to crave like those infants and, and fight until we get what we want with the Word. We'll always be studying the Word. We'll always be longing to get this spiritual milk with that same intensity that children long for, for the milk or for to be changed or to be held. And they'll continue to cry for whatever they want until they receive that. They'll continue to fight to get what they need until they're given that. And that's what we should be doing as Christians. We should want the Word so bad. We should want the knowledge so bad that we're willing to, to do anything to be in the Bible studying, to, be, to do anything to, to be in the Word and learning the Gospel and, and put that first. And not let other things get in the way of that. And I think that what he's saying here is, 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 is a very strong want and longing to know the Word. And with that, you will then be able to, to defend your, what you believe. You'll be able to stand and teach others. And all those things lead to that growth and that maturity that we're talking about here. The next verse I want to look at is 1 Peter 1, 15-16. He says here, 1 Peter 1, 15-16, But as He who calls you is holy, you, you as also be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. See, Christ is our example. The goal is to be like Christ. So not only are we to, to prepare our minds, we're to, to be constantly in the Word, studying, longing for the Word, we're also to act like Christ in our conduct as well. And I think these things kind of involve as, as we... As we start to study, as we grow in our spirituality, then our conduct starts to represent that of Christ. But I think it starts in our, in, our, in our learning and our knowledge and our growth and our maturity as Christians, and then it starts to display outwardly as well. So our example here is to be like Christ, and we're to be holy because our Creator and Savior is holy. So as we go out into the community, as we go out into our jobs, as we go out to our schools, people should see Christ in us. They should notice a difference. 
You should be asked, you know, how come when this happens you're not getting upset where other people will get upset? Or how come you, you help that person when no one else will help that person? So these are all things that we can display through our actions. These are all attributes that, that Christians have that we should be showing outwardly in our everyday lives. And as we grow, as we mature, as every day we're doing these things, then we start to live a life like Jesus. You know, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, I, I love Paul, I love Paul's writings. Paul's a, a very bold, deep thinker in his writings. I love studying his writings. But one of the, in, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That's a huge statement. I mean, if you think about someone that would say that, it's got to be pretty, pretty, in pretty, you know, prideful. Not, I guess, prideful, but pretty. I don't, even, I don't. I guess prideful would be the right word. In his own Christianity and his belief and his, his stability as a Christian, to say, "Look at me and do what I'm doing," because I'm being like Christ. Who can say that here? Who can say if if you followed me and watched me all every day, every day, that you would portray Christ? You know, or would they, if someone followed you from the time you got up to the time you left, would they, would they, what, what attributes would they have? Think about it. I know if someone followed me, you know, I get angry sometimes. Um, especially now in this medicine, I, I get angry a lot, which I used to never get angry, but that's something I struggle with. I struggle a lot of times with actually taking time and studying. I'm a very busy body guy. Um, I have a hard time slowing my mind down long enough to actually sit down and, and study in the way I should, uh, the way I should be doing. So think about your own life and the things you're own doing. If someone was to watch you all day, would they see Christ throughout the day? If they were, if they were to say, be like, or could I say, be like Justin because I'm imitating Christ? Could someone follow you around all day and then when they were leave, they would see Christ in your everyday life? That, that is what Peter is saying here and that's what Paul is saying, that we need to be holy just like Christ and that's got to be what we're striving to do. Um, another verse I want to look at is in Second Peter. No, I'm sorry. Second Peter one thirteen through fifteen. Second Peter one thirteen through fifteen. This is another way or something else that we need to be doing. It says, "I think it is it's right as long as I am in this body to stir you up." By way of reminder, since I know that putting off of my body will soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so after my departure, you may be able to at any time recall these things. So Peter here is saying that what's most important to him is that he's encouraging others, that he's stirring up others, that he wants to make sure that when he leaves, that the people he's writing to, the people he's been with, have been encouraged by his visit, by encouraged by his writings, that the things that he has left him left them would motivate them to grow spiritually. And I think as Christians, that is something else that we need to be aware of as well. That when we make an impact in people's lives, that when we're able to be in front of people, when we're able to influence people, that they should leave that with encouragement. That they should leave that with knowledge and with the encouragement they would be able to grow spiritually. And if we're doing these things, then we're going to be growing. If we're doing these things, then then... Our spiritual life will be what we read the first. We'll be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We'll be able to, to answer for these false teachers and defend our own faith because each day we're growing in these things. We're longing for the spiritual word. We're preparing our minds for action. Our conduct is holy like our Lord and Savior is holy. And then every time we meet people, we're, we're giving them that encouragement, giving them 
that, that the stuff that they need so that they may grow and be more spiritually mature. And my hope and my prayer is always that our words can be like Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. Again, I told you that I'm a, I'm a huge motivation guy. I'm a huge, you know, about the mindset's got to be right in anything you do. And then that, that was what, kind of what fuels my Christianity is always these things I have in my mind that encourage me and that keep me focused on the main thing. And this is one of these things here in 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8 that Paul says. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there lays up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have loved His appearing. See, this has got to be what we're able to say about our lives. This is another bold statement that, that Paul makes about his own Christianity. But he can know this with confidence because he's lived these things that the Lord has told him to do. He's lived his life so that he's always continued to grow. You know, that's one of the reasons why we choose to be in Africa. Um, one of the, the more selfish reasons, I guess, why we choose to be in Africa because every day I'm challenged. Every day I'm, I'm pushed to go beyond what I was the next day. We're all the time facing people who, want, who believe different things. We're all the time dealing with issues which I'm way too young and, and, and immature to be dealing with that challenged me to be more mature, that challenged me to dig deeper in the Word and look in, and look in the Scripture to be able to help people who are a lot older than me with situations that are way beyond my years. But I'm able to do these things because the Lord is with me, because the Lord helps us. And when we're, when we're constantly in the Bible and we're spending every day growing, then we can eventually reach that point to where we can say this as Paul has said, I fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid upon, up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward to me on that day. See, that should be all of our goals, that should be all of our visions, that we live our lives in such a way that, that we'll be with God in heaven, that one day we can all be together in heaven. And the way to do that is every day to be growing in the faith and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The words that Peter left, the, some of the words that he had to feel were very, very important to lead to those Christians because those are the last words he left every day. And then at the end of that it says to eternity. So that's every day. Every day we have to be growing in our faith and our love and our, and our service to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So if the church can be, help you today in any way in a prayer, we ask that you come forward as we're about to stand and sing. Or maybe... It's time to start your walk. Maybe you've not started your Christian journey and would like to put on Christ through baptism. If the church can do anything for you, please come forward as we're about to stand and sing.